Thanks for listening to The Awakening Podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. Luke chapter 1, it says this, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled by, at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom, and of his kingdom, there will be no end. Come on, we fulfill that here today, 2,000 years later, all over the world this morning. We are celebrating a king who has made his kingdom in the hearts of mankind. And there is no end today. And there will be no end tomorrow. And a thousand years from now, there will still be no end. For he is the King of kings and he is the Lord of lords. Come on, let's just worship Jesus for a moment. Let's just lift up. Give honor and glory to the King of kings. Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered, said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. Verse 37, he says, For nothing will be impossible with God. Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed her. One more scene I want us to see. This is with Joseph, the father says this, said when his, uh, when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man, unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken through his prophet Isaiah 700 years earlier. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Come on, church, let's pray together. God, we thank you that today you're with us. I thank you today, Jesus, you're going to reveal yourself to us. Wherever we're coming from, God, I thank you that we are here today, not by accident, but you brought us here. And so, Lord, I pray that you open our hearts, you open our minds, you open our ears, that we will hear truth and that it will change us, impact us on the inside. I pray for an atmosphere of awakening in this place, Lord. That our soul is awakened, not from my words, but from your words, Jesus. 
And I pray right now, no spirit of distraction, no other things going on, but we dedicate these next few moments to you, Jesus, and we come to you with great expectation. In Jesus' mighty name, come on, all God's people said, amen, Amen. and amen. Well, you can have a seat, and as you sit down, just go ahead and ask your neighbor, what do you want for Christmas? Because I will buy it for you. Generosity is my lifestyle. Hey, we're going to have a great Christmas service next week. How many people are excited for our Christmas weekend? Come on, it's going to be good. And uh, we got Christmas Eve services here and in Providence, which is awesome. We're able to have it in our Providence campus as well at 6 o'clock. This whole weekend is a great opportunity for you to bring your friends and your family, and you know we'll have we'll have it all. We'll have the kids singing. We'll have Santa upstairs. You can take a family photo of Christmas cookies and you know all that good stuff. It's really going to be an awesome time. I think you should enjoy Christmas. You should enjoy it with your family and start a new tradition which honors God this Christmas and has a good time as well. Hey, I want to welcome everyone joining us online at Awakening Global. Come on, let's give it up for those all over the world. We are, we are truly glad that you are with us, and I believe today God is going to speak, whether you're in the room or online, God is going to speak directly to you, so I'd encourage you to open your heart and open your mind, and we're going to continue this series on, on the Christmas story and the, the Christmas season, and today I want to talk to you about trusting God even when the world doesn't make sense, trusting God even when your world doesn't make sense. Trusting him through the pain, trusting him through misunderstanding, trusting him through frustration, and trusting him when things just don't seem to come together. And it's amazing when we look at this Christmas story how relatable it is and how relevant it is to you and I today, 2,000 years later. You know, last week I began, I spoke about how The Christmas story really is a universal story that intersects with regular people for the rescue of humanity. This story began in the book of Genesis. It is a cosmic story spanning thousands of years and so many different people and characters also that God could bring us close to him, his great plan of redemption. That's what the Christmas story is really all about, and it's at the centerpiece of God's story with mankind. This is not a myth. This is not an animated movie. This is not a children's story just on, on felt boards. And we have to be careful to, when, with, with the Bible. I really believe one of my goals, and I, I might even say it every week. We'll see. But I, I really believe one of my goals is to reawaken you to the reality of these stories, the people in them, how God's working in them. Because we got to understand these are human beings in this story, just like you and me. They're real people with a real God in real circumstances. And if we can see them for who they really are, we can then see how God's going to work with us. They went before us, but they're just like us, serving the same God we're serving. And they now become models, forerunners, pioneers for us and how we should approach God and react to life. So these are, these are real, regular people that are in the midst of God's great creative story, the expression of his redemptive plan. And I, I believe as we look at this story, you're going to begin to understand God's promises and God's plan for you today. Amen. So last week we, we talked about 
uh, we talked about Zechariah and Elizabeth and God sending a forerunner in the, in the person of John the Baptist for Jesus. But today, I want to look at the characters, uh, the real-life people of, of Mary and Joseph, uh, the father, uh, surrogate father and mother of Jesus on planet Earth. And, and uh, it's, such, it's such an awesome, I really believe as we speak, you're going to see this through a brand new lens. I had a friend that uh, began to come to our church when he was a teenager, and he was really getting involved in part of all things. And, and I remember uh, he was telling us on one Sunday when he was choosing to be baptized, his mother, who was a good Catholic woman and raised him in a good Catholic home, as he was leaving, she said, son, just don't forget about Mary. She said, whatever you do, remember Mary. And so today I'm going to honor her request. We're going to remember Mary in this place. And if you come from a Catholic background, this is going to be your favorite sermon all year. You're going to love this sermon. You're going to get it. <laughs> going to remember Mary. Oh, man, that gets me. I've heard that story 40 times. It always makes me laugh. Don't forget about Mary. We won't. We're going to look at the, the character of Mary. And, and, and our, our story begins with Mary being chosen by God. Chosen by God. An angel arrives. And says to her, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. And then it goes on and says, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. You have found favor with God. We see that Mary is chosen. What I, what I think is so beautiful about the initiation of this story is that Mary did nothing to be chosen. What did she do? This is the first time we ever hear about Mary. And, and, and it came out of nowhere. She, she wasn't praying for an angel to arrive. We don't, we don't see her fasting before the Lord. We, we don't see her going through training and becoming, you know, a Pharisee or a Sadducee or a teacher of the law. We don't see any special abilities about Mary. She's just a young woman that's growing up in Nazareth, which, by the way, Nazareth was a little town up in the mountain country of a tiny, um, a tiny uh, country called Israel at that time. I mean, this could not be someone of, of a, of, from a, lesser, a place of lesser importance, no family to speak of, no background, nothing. Just one day, the angel Gabriel shows up and says, hey, Mary, he knows her name. Would that freak you out if, a, if an angel knew your name? Hey, Mary, you are blessed and highly favored. And she, she responds to the angel, what kind of greeting is this? She's trying to figure out, what's, what's happening and am I in trouble? Because a 10-foot tall angel just showed up in my living room and I'm nervous. And he says, don't be afraid. Angels always have to say that to every single person they ever see. Don't, don't freak out. Don't, don't, don't be afraid. He said, I, I, I've, I've come to proclaim God's favor over you. You have found favor with the Lord. Here's what's so amazing. What did she do to find favor? The reality is favor found her. It's a lot like Noah. The Bible says favor found Noah. What was he doing? He was just hanging out 
and a, wook, uh, a crooked and wicked generation. God chose him for there to be salvation, that he would enter into the ark with his family and humanity would be saved through Noah. This is a, she is a picture of, of, of a new Noah, a picture of a new ark, that humanity is going to be saved through Mary. And you would think she's got to be a special person. You would think she's a prophet. You would think that we would have heard of her before. But no, she's just a young woman in a random place, in a random time. And an angel shows up and says, you're favored. Can I tell you, this is how grace works. Grace chooses you. Grace chooses you. You don't earn grace. You can't chase grace. You can't strive after grace. You can't do anything to get grace's attention. The reality is all have fallen short of the glory of God. All are sinners, everyone. All cannot earn God's grace, but thanks be to God who in his mercy and grace looked down, saw you, chose you, favored you, put his hand of blessing over you. You got to know who you are. Because sometimes we, after we've been saved for a while, we say, man, I'm, I'm going to have a fast because I'm just, I'm just pursuing God. And I think that's fine. But the reality is God's pursuing you. If you're not paying attention to him, he's paying attention to you. When you're faithless, he remains faithful. Grace chooses you. Mercy comes after you. God puts his hand on you. And the question obviously is why? Why was Mary chosen? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But I think that's the point. He chooses whom he chooses. He loves whom he loves. He receives whom he receives. In other words, God, God's just going to love you because he's decided to love you. And nothing you do can overcome his love for you. God reveals his plan of salvation through the angel to Mary in this moment. And that is incredible. I know we just take it for granted because we, we've heard the story and we say, yeah, you know, obviously, uh, obviously. But, but hold on, hold on. Do you realize what just happened? Do you realize what just happened? The angel of God shows up to Mary and chooses her to reveal his great plan of salvation that he had hidden in the cosmos from the beginning of time. He chooses a young 13 to 16-year-old girl to reveal what all of humanity has been waiting for. He didn't tell it to Elijah or Elisha or King David or Isaiah. None of them knew, though they yearned for the call. They yearned for the plan. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob didn't know the plan. They only had whispers of promises. But God shows up to Mary, and he reveals how he is going to save his people. Because, see, we needed salvation. After Jesus and God and the Holy Spirit together created creation, they reached into the dust and made man, Adam, and then Eve. But together, Adam and Eve sinned, and they fell. And through that sin, that shortcoming, that failure, corruption entered into mankind. And it was called the fall of mankind. And because God is so holy, because he's so righteous, he cannot commune with sin. So there had to be a separation now between God and humankind. And for hundreds of years, there was a separation between God and his creation, creator and his creatures. And, and that gap 
had to be filled somehow. And so God gave us types and shadows. He gave us the temple and you, and you would have to sacrifice a perfect spotless lamb. And that blood would represent your blood because sin has a blood price. And instead of our blood being shed, this lamb's blood is gonna be shed. And God sent his prophets to speak and his kings to reign and his judges to represent him. And yet all of them were just a shadow of the real plan that is to come. But for 400 years after the final prophet spoke, there was a period of silence and darkness. And God breaks his silence to reveal his incredible plan. And he chooses Mary. <laughs> if God could choose her, God can choose you. If God can use her, I got good news. God can use you. Do not discount yourself. Do not disqualify yourself. Do not say I'm nothing, I'm nobody from no family and nowhere. So was Mary. But when God puts his hand on you, he begins to use you in ways you could never imagine. I know that Mary didn't pray a prayer this big, but God will answer prayers that are bigger than you ever even prayed. He has promises that you can't even imagine. He's got plans and hopes for your future that maybe you don't even have for yourself. God is a big God, and he wants to use his people. And the enemy tries to come in and lie to you and get you to disqualify yourself with your own words. Get you to disqualify yourself with your position or your past, your failures. What you're not is what the enemy always wants for you to focus on. But what does the angel come and say? You are favored. And if you're favored by God, it doesn't matter if you're favored by man. If you're favored by God, it doesn't matter what your boss has to say. If you're favored by God, it doesn't matter what the economy does. If you're favored by God, he will use you to bring his promises through you. Mary wasn't the only one who's been favored. In fact, she wasn't the only one that was going to bring the, the, the plan of rescue and salvation into humanity. She was just the first. But make no mistake, there's been many, many more people that have been a part of God's cosmic plan to bring rescue into humanity, and you are a part of this plan. You are a part of this plan. You're a new Mary. You're a new Joseph, and God wants to use you. The problem is there's some difficulties that arise instantaneously because just because it's God's plan doesn't mean it's, it's going to be perfect for you. God's plan is perfect, but you're going to have to overcome some things. You're going to be tested in some ways. There are going to be some trials that he won't abandon you through, but you are going to have to get through. And, and Mary instantly figures out what's going on, and she asks, really, the question. She says, how can this be? Now, notice she's not, she's not saying this out of disbelief. Last week, Zechariah, he spoke out of unbelief, and the angel had to quiet him. She's still asking questions, but if it's out of a position of, I want to know. Yeah. I want to believe. Let me tell you you can, ask this, you can ask the same question with two totally different attitudes. And I've seen, I've seen people come to church with two totally different approaches. You're in the same church. You're in the same row. You're singing the same song. And yet one person's being blessed and the other person's having a hardening of their heart. 
you get to choose how your approach is going to be to God's favor and his mercy and his grace and his love and his word over your life. You have a choice in that. You have a choice to harden your heart or you have a choice to receive the word of God. You have a part in this. Your faith opens this way. So she's asking out of faith. She's just saying, how will this be since I'm a virgin? And, 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 and here's the problem. Here's the difficulty that instantly kind of pops up is, um, is it not only seems physically impossible, she's kind of saying how it is, seeing that I, I'm a virgin. Not only is it physically impossible, but on top of that, there are going to be some cultural ramifications. This is a loaded question that she's asking. This, this, you got to understand what she's saying. She's saying, how will this be since I am a virgin? I haven't known a man, and I'm going to be pregnant, and nobody's going to believe me. And the problem with that is in that time, the customs and the culture of that time is that um, uh, they, if, if there was what they considered adultery, not only would there be shame that would come on her, not only would her reputation be ruined, but she would never be able to marry someone because, because it was such an egregious thing that there was rarely someone that would come and marry a widow, which is what she would be considered through this whole process. And, and, and more than that, that on the books at that time was that adultery equaled death. So she, though she's receiving God's favor and mercy, implicit in that, of course she's afraid. Because she's saying, am I going to die because of this promise? Am I going to be pulled out of the city and stoned to death outside of the city if I say yes to this thing? You see, there were three, there were three aspects to marriage in the, in the Jewish law. It began... With, uh, with arranged marriages, that the, the parents of the kids would arrange the marriages for them culturally at that time. And as I was growing up, I was against this. But the more kids I have, the more in favor of arranged marriages. I got to tell you, I think these ancient, ancient wisdom here, I think these people were onto something because I know my kids. And, and I know me. And, and they wouldn't leave something so powerful up to like emotions or something like that. They arranged marriages. And the, the, the girl could opt out at any time. I don't know, maybe she saw his beard and was like, oh, not for me. And so she would opt out at any time, right? But if they agreed, and if the parents made a good match, then it would move to the second stage, which would, was called betrothal. And at this point, they were actually, in that culture, recognized as man and wife for a period of one year, where, where they, they literally were given that title, husband and wife, yet they weren't living together, they were still living on their own until one day after the, after the year uh, was done that the, the, the groom would come and get his bride, which, by the way, is really an awesome picture of the end times where it's like there's a separation for one year and Jesus is in heaven, but in the end time, he's going to come receive his bride, which is his church, and it will come at an unexpected hour. There will be a feast and a celebration and no longer will be separated from Jesus, but will be in unity with Jesus forever and ever and ever. Amen. Awesome, right? So she's in this period of betrothal, and the problem is it can only be broken by a divorce. And, and she's nervous because she's not yet married yet, and, and so she knows, and they all know, this child isn't Joseph's. And so she's afraid of what the cultural repercussions are going are gonna to be on her life, on her family, on this child, and even 
is this going to threaten her life? Have you ever been put in a place where you're afraid of how, how people are going to react to something you feel like God's calling you to do? Have you ever found yourself in a place where there's the test, the trial of misunderstanding from others, but you know God's calling you into a new place? I've heard so many times when people are coming to church, they begin to serve, they begin to get involved, and their family says, look, we're good people, we go to church, but why are you so committed to that place? Are you part of a cult? You go like every week. And it's like, that's all a cult is, going to church every week? I think we need to raise our definitions here, raise the standard. And, and, and the problem is some of the people might not ever understand the life you're going to live. Other people, even your close relatives, those in your former community might not ever understand the calling that God has put on your life. But here comes the test. And just because there's a promise doesn't mean there's not going to be a test. In fact, every time there's favor, what it brings in its shadow is a trial and a test. You've heard new levels, new devils. There's some truth to that, that every time God brings you to a new place, you're going to have to fight a new fight. You're going to have to overcome some new things. You're going to have to come up another level. You might have to fast another time. You might have to pray a little bit harder. You might have to get some more counsel. You might have to make some very difficult decisions. And here, Mary is receiving the gift of all gifts, the promise of all promises. It doesn't get any better than this. And yet, she's going to have to really sacrifice. She's going to have to give up her reputation. She's going to have to give up her standing in her community. And she has a right to be fearful because she is worried about the physical repercussions of saying yes to Jesus. This wasn't just the best thing ever. For Mary, this was a test. This was very real. And she's going to have to choose how she's going to respond. And the reality is just like Mary, you are going to go through some things that will be from God, but they bring with it a new level and a new test. And you're going to have to choose how am I going to respond to God's promises. And for her acceptance, it meant sacrifice. But she asked, well then how technically, physically, is this gonna happen because I am a virgin? And the angel replies to her and he says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High, and the Most High is, a, is the phrase used for God, the phrase that Moses first penned. So you see the power of the Holy Spirit and the most, and the and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. That's a key word right there, overshadow. And actually, the picture of that right there is the picture of incubation. And it actually calls into remembrance the genesis of all creation. Last week, we went to Genesis 1. And we showed you that, as John said, in the beginning was the Word, Logos, which is Jesus. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And so we go back to Genesis 1, we see in the beginning, God said. So we see God and we see the word in creation. But let me show you Genesis chapter 1, verse 2. It says this, And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. The raw materials were there, but it, had, it was in chaos. It was in disorder. There, there, was, there was nothing brought about from it. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. So in creation, we see God the Father, we see God the Son, and now we see God the Holy Spirit. And what is the Holy Spirit doing? But he is hovering 
over the face of the waters. This word is a picture of incubation. It's actually like a word picture of like what a hen would do or a bird would do that as it, as it incubates the eggs underneath it. It, it, it. It's a picture of bringing life, bringing life and an atmosphere of warmth and guidance and order and care and protection to bring life into these eggs. That's the word that's being used here in hovering over the face of the waters was an atmosphere for life. Listen, this is what the Holy Spirit's job is, is to bring an atmosphere for life. And that's why you feel different in worship when you engage. Why? Because you're in an atmosphere of awakening. You're in an atmosphere of the presence of God. You're in an atmosphere, by the way, of creation. And if you want to change, you need to get into the atmosphere of the change agent, the creator God. And he's going to begin to recreate some things in you. He's going to begin to bring life from the inside of you. He's going to begin to form some things in you. And so we see that's what was happening in creation. And what this angel is saying is, I'm going to bring that process about again, recreation. Why? Because after the creation was the fall, but now the angel's saying there's going to be recreation and instead of Adam, there's going to be a second son, and his name is going to be Jesus. And instead of bringing sin upon people, he's going to free people from their sins. And instead of destruction, there's going to be brand new life. And so he's saying, God the Father is speaking the word. The Holy Spirit is going to create the atmosphere where your womb is going to be an atmosphere for creation, and then the word will be made flesh, will put on skin and bones. Its brain will form, and blood, and, G- and Jesus you got to understand this. Jesus wasn't being created in that moment. Jesus is the uncreated God. He existed in the beginning. But in that moment, he's adding to his divine nature a human nature so that he might get on our level, that he might bring us from where we are into eternity with him. This is what's happening. Recreation with the Holy Spirit that there might be freedom for us. Is that not incredible? It is a cosmic story with regular people. It's all God's plan, and yet she's going to be a part of it. And by the way, she's not the only one that's a part of this process. This is why we talk about being born again, because you need to be recreated as well. You need to get under the Holy Spirit as well. you got to be careful about the spirits you get under, because some spirits don't bring life. They bring corruption and depression and anxiety and fear and hate and anger. But the Holy Spirit brings love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and understanding and self-discipline. I want that. And I got to get in that atmosphere. And and even more than that, I got the Holy Spirit now. If I receive Jesus Christ, I got the Spirit living on the inside of me. And his kingdom is on the inside of me. And, and, And the Spirit of Jesus is growing on the inside of me so that I can help be a part of the salvation story. Yes. Yes. And let me throw in one, one quick thing. And, and, and so after, the, they, after Adam and Eve fell, there was a prophecy. In fact, the very first prophecy ever spoken was actually spoken by God in the book of Genesis chapter 3. And, and, and God's speaking to the snake, and he says this, and I will put enmity, I'll put disagreement, I'll put, I'll put war between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. But Listen, and her offspring will crush your head and you will strike his heel. It's a prophecy about Jesus. It's a prophecy about Jesus. 
And what Eve understood is that salvation is going to come through birth. So when she had her first child, Cain, she said, the Lord has given me, the Lord has given me a man who is Yahweh. The Lord has given me a man, God. She thought that Cain was going to be God, man and God. Her theology was right, but the application was wrong. And Cain grew up, and we know that Cain became a bitter man, and he killed his brother Abel, who was a better man that brought a better offering, and Abel's blood began to cry out for justice. But here comes Jesus, and now uh, now Mary becomes the new Eve, and she's going to birth God and man, and he's going to be a better man than Cain. And instead of killing, he's going to bring life, and he's going to be the high priest, and the blood that cried out from the earth, Jesus is going to satisfy with his own blood. God's plan of creation. God's plan of grace. God's plan of mercy wasn't something that he says, no big deal, I'll just come up with it on the fly. It's been in action for thousands of years and it begins to intersect with regular people and God says, I'm gonna bring wholeness and I'm gonna bring freedom and I'm gonna bring peace, love and mercy and I'm gonna do it through my son, Jesus. Jesus is the centerpiece of God's creation. And Mary's response here is critical. What is she gonna do? What is she gonna say? She makes this incredible decision, and she says, I am your servant. She doesn't understand all of this. Obviously, she's fearful. She's nervous about what's going to happen, but she chooses because God will always give you a choice. And she she identifies, I'm a servant. And whatever's done to me, let it be done according to your word. She's literally praying a prayer. She's saying, not my will, but your will be done. The prayer we commonly pray is, Lord, change your will to my will. But she's saying, no, not my will, but your will be done. And and 33 years later, Jesus would pray that same prayer. He says, Lord, if you can please remove this cup from me, do it. But if not, not my will, but your will be done. Jesus prayed that prayer the night he was going to the cross. But Mary had to pray that prayer the moment that she was going to receive Jesus. I'm here to tell you, I, I, I pray that that is, your, that is your posture towards Jesus. I'm a servant. I'm not the leader. I'm the servant. I'm the follower. Jesus, whatever you want to do with me, I accept and I receive. Even when I don't understand, I got to trust. Even when it doesn't make sense, I choose to trust. And I submit my will to you, Jesus. I trust. See, Mary, she's a big deal because of this moment right here. Behold, I'm the servant of God. Not my way, but your way. Not my way, but your way. I'm gonna, I'm gonna end in one moment here. I think this is so much for, I think this is, this is exactly what God is speaking to so many of us today is the reality is sometimes we want God's mercy and his grace and his goodness and his love, but it comes with it some circumstances, some trying, some testing, some very difficult things because, because becoming a Christian doesn't mean all of a sudden your problems miraculously disappear. But it does promise that God will walk with you and you can walk with him. And you can do this thing together now. And we actually see this exemplified with Mary and with Joseph. Mary chooses. I don't get it, but I receive it. I'm nervous about it, but I bow my head to your will, God. See, as long as you fight for your way, you're going to fight against God's way. 
The moment you begin to submit, now God can bring promises into and through your life. Which is where we find Joseph. Joseph found out that Mary's going to be with child and he knows it's not his. So it seems to Joseph that she's unfaithful. And, and, and he doesn't know she was with child with the Holy Spirit. That clears everything up. But he doesn't know that. He just says, that's a baby and it's not mine. I wonder what your reaction would be if you were Joseph. Sometimes we read the Bible and we're like, come on, Joseph, it's Jesus. He doesn't know this. What's he going to do? And even if she says it's the Holy Spirit, come on. For real? Come on. He's stuck in this place of, of not knowing what's the next step to take. And I wonder... I wonder how you would react because we see how he reacts. And what Joseph decides to do, it's pretty amazing. He, the Bible calls him a just man. And the Bible says he's unwilling to put her to shame. I think I see why God chose Joseph. Because I want you to know something about Jesus, something about God's nature, is he's unwilling to put you to shame. Even if you deserve it, even if, even if you, you've screwed up, God is not the God that wants to expose and mock and laugh. He's a God that wants to cover, wants to bring mercy. He's just. He's just. But he's unwilling to put you to shame. And we see this in Joseph's actions. And he resolved to divorce her quietly. Just made the decision. Okay? I'm not going to make this any worse than it has to be. This is pretty incredible. This is pretty unbelievable that he is choosing to respond the right way. Listen, I I just think this is a challenge. I'm going to end here in a moment, but I think this is a challenge. You can either react or you can respond. And reaction, it's always out of your emotions. It's always out of the moment. And you know what? Come on, be honest. It's always out of the worst part of you. And you know, there's always justification for your reactions. If he flipped out and went before the communal elders and says, I want her stone, there was justification. But that doesn't make what he did right. Just because you could be right technically doesn't mean you're right morally before God. And and it's amazing. He holds the reaction back and chooses to respond. And how do you respond? Well, you respond out of consideration. Look, look, this is where we find him. He considered these things. Listen, consideration creates space for God to speak to you. Reaction... That only creates space for the enemy to flow through you, for your flesh, for your sin nature, for your old self. Start speaking your old way, doing your old things. That's reaction. But if you're going to respond, you begin to consider. And consideration creates space for God to speak to you. It's pretty amazing. He says, let's, let's see what's going on here. And in that moment, he has a dream, and the angel of the Lord appears to him, and he begins to clear really everything up and tells him, that he's going to have a son, and his name's going to be Jesus, and to take Mary as his wife, and he says, and Jesus will save his people from their sins. I think, I think one of the most spiritual phrases you could ever say, you ready for this? I'm going to help you. I would propose to you today that one of those most spiritual phrases you could ever say in your job, to your spouse, to yourself, is let me think about it. I knew you were going to be underwhelmed. I could sense it. Let me think about it. Because I don't want to live out a reaction 
I want to live out of response. Because if I'm able to respond, I'm able to create room for the Holy Spirit to help me respond. Lord, what should I feel about this? What should I do in this situation? Will you open up a sign for me? Will you speak to me? Will you give me a dream? Will, will you bring someone into my life? Can you bring godly counsel into this? Lord, can you even work this situation out for me so I don't even have to deal with it? Can you do a miracle? All of that comes out of consideration. I think we'd be different people if we considered more than we reacted. You know what's interesting about Joseph, by the way, is, you know, in all of Scripture, in the entire New Testament, we never see him speak a word. Not one word. He's called the silent saint. Not one word Joseph ever speaks. And I think it's because God's trying to show us some things. I think God's trying to say, if you don't understand some stuff, don't talk about it just yet. Let me speak through you. And by the way, even more than that, I think it's even a picture that though Joseph was a just man, a godly man, chosen by God of the lineage of David to raise Jesus, even still, through all of that, God says, you don't get to speak identity over my son. I'm going to speak identity over my son. And so before Jesus ever did anything, beginning his ministry, God speaks from heaven, says, this is my son, identity, whom I love. That's affirmation, and I am well pleased. That's acceptance. You see God speak these things over him. I just want you to know whether you had a good father or a bad father, good mother or bad mother. Maybe you had no mother. Maybe you had no relationship with them. But I want you to know this. No matter what good or bad was spoken over you, it pales in comparison to what your true father in heaven wants to speak over you. He calls you his own. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end with this right here. The angel says, you will call him Jesus, and, and he will save his people from his sins. And, and they remembered, this is what the prophet said, they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Because of what God did, and as Mary and Joseph were a part of this plan, and Jesus came and died on that cross, all of that happened so that God could be with us. I want you to know you are not walking through this life alone. He is not far from you. He does not hate you. He is not stubborn towards you. No, the reality is all of this happened so that God could be with you with you in the trying times, with you when you receive that eviction notice, with you when you lose your job, with you when you're in the hospital, with you when you're on top of that mountain, with you when you're getting married, with you when you're in that funeral home. God is with you. He will never leave you. He will never abandon you. No matter where you walk, he walks with you. Through all your trials, he stands by you. Through all the things you don't understand, He's going to walk with you through the misunderstanding. God is with us. And so that's what we trust in. Not what I've seen, not what I've known. I don't trust in my own understanding. I lean not in my own understanding. I got to trust in this, that all of redemption happened so that God could be with me. And more than that, so that I can be with God. And today I want you to put your trust This is my invitation to you today, to put your trust in Jesus Christ at a deeper level because he wants to be with you. He so loves you. He's so for you. And even this next year, we're going into 2020. You know, we're going into a new decade. I don't know if you've been following Jesus 20 or 30 years, but there are going to be circumstances in these next few years where you're going to have to put your trust in God at a deeper level. And my invitation to you today is whether this is your first time at church or your hundredth time at church, will you trust God at a deeper level? Just as Mary didn't understand, 
Just as Joseph was frustrated, can you take a moment and say, I don't get it all, but I do know this. He's with me, and I put my trust in him alone. He's the only one worthy of it. He's the only one that will never fail you. He's the only one that will always be with you. God is with us. And I do pray that your next year is unbelievable. Come on, it's 2020. It's 2020. Well, it's right there. I pray you have 2020 vision in 2020. What can I say? It's right there. I pray you see more. I pray you see God's work more. I pray you have clarity in your mind more. I pray you take new steps. I pray it's exciting. I pray it's exhilarating. And in the trying times, the peaks and the valleys, I pray you know this one truth, that God is with us. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Awakening Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. If you want to learn more about our church, visit us online at awakening.global. We'll see you soon.